All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Guy takes a clap and right now you're going to go play patty cake with him? Like, no, there's, there's got to be a message sent. I, I don't think a, a push is a message, to be honest with you. So, I like that. I just don't think it's really necessary to go down there and. Hardest shot competition and into the into the nap. Slap shot is kind of something that I haven't seen happen on empty netter. Everybody's going to have an opinion on it. Uh, probably either going to love it or hate it. Uh, doesn't matter to me. Whatever. Make hockey violent again. Get that tattooed on me. Welcome to the Department of Discipline. A busy, busy week. My name is Ryan Pinder. There's Jay Rosehill, the former Leaf, former Flyer, and uh, current. Hot take artist, I thought, Jay. Uh, let's get to the news immediately. How are we doing this week? Uh, last we saw you, it was Toronto. We had a good time out there. That is true. That is true. It has been a while since we ripped off one of these. But yeah, lots happening for the Department of Player Safety and therefore the Department of Discipline. Indeed. While we're on the topic, big shout out, big thank you to uh, Seagram's VO Whiskey, who set us up in the studio at the Royal York for our show. We had Brad May, lots of great feedback on that program. If you have not caught it, head back there uh, and check it out. The Hockey Fights page, uh, YouTube, find it there, no sweat. Uh, We start with the Battle of Ontario. It is back and well. And finally, Jay, uh, I don't know how hot it was when you played, but all of a sudden, thanks to Morgan Riley and Ridley Gregg, it is back, baby. It is back. It sure seems to be. <laughs> Every time I see that clapper, man, it is it is all-star game worthy. I don't think anyone in the all-star game the other weekend went that hard on a, on an empty net clapper, did they? And you know what? If you want to get a rise out of the Leafs, that might be the best way to do it with five seconds left. It is, rise it out of anybody. A rise out of anybody. Yeah. And and you know what? I You were here the other day doing Leafs morning take. I was next door getting ready for my show. And I'd heard you talk. And one of the things that I think might be lost on people that aren't in Toronto or that don't get the Canadian national media, which everything is a big spotlight on the Leafs. This has been a team whose character has been called into question a ton, a team where numerous times 
in the, you know, fabulous four era or the core four era, they've said, where's the mustard? Where, where, why aren't teammates sticking up to protect teammates? This was an opportunity for Morgan Riley. He didn't miss it, but they'll be missing him for five games. And that is not good for the Toronto Maple Leafs for the next two weeks. Yeah, it's bang on. I mean, in Leafs Nation, they've, they're the biggest they're the biggest market in hockey, and therefore that leaves them wide open to criticism and haters and everything else. And, you know, people do call them into question on why don't they care? Why don't they win? Why don't they stick up for each other? Are they too soft? That's been the, the theme of this core four era. And I think that, you know, if you don't do anything, you lose. And now if you do do something, you lose. But I think one thing's for sure, the response by Morgan Riley was justified. And I absolutely love to see it. It's just he went a little overboard. And I think after talking to a lot of people that know Morgan Riley personally, when you look at his history, the way he carries himself and conducts himself on the ice, the way he plays, he's not a dirty player. And I did not believe that he went with the sole intention of cross-checking Greg in the head. I don't believe that you go at him in the heat of passion and you go and you give him a shot. It's almost like a punch in the face is kind of the first thing you think of. But you got your mm-hmm. stick in your hands. If you look at it from the, the one angle, it hits his shoulder pads first. But you got to be aware that the stick's a weapon and it's in your hands. And if you're going to, to cross-check a guy and you're up high on his shoulder, it can glance off. And it what's left? His neck, his chin, his ear, his face. Yeah. And it's a no-no. So, I mean, and with all the media scrutiny and attention that comes on with it being the Maple Leafs, a lot of people were talking about it. And I I don't think that helps their case too much. You knew he was going to get dinged. I was a little nervous at the in-person hearing. But at the end of the day, he gets five for that. After all the wondering and waiting, I'm okay with five. I was worried it would be more and I would be a little pissed off. But I think that most fans in Leafs Nation there can live with five. Anytime you hear in person, it allows the Department of Player Safety to go five and beyond. And so I think people start to think, oh my gosh, this could be a huge number when we've seen two this year. They've both been just five, I believe. And I recall back to the David Perron where he slashes a guy in the head and that's defending a teammate kind of or retaliating for something he didn't like to see. But you nailed it with the stick. Like you can go drop your gloves and start throwing haymakers at this guy. I. You can cross-check him in the spleen as hard as you want. You can get him in the mid-arm between his elbows and his shoulder pads if, if that hole that used to exist when I played is still there. Uh, but the one thing you can't do is let that get into someone's head because intent doesn't matter anymore. As soon as you use your stick as the weapon, the, what happens to the, to the person that receives it is what matters. The, the intent is, uh, look, it's not a two-handed chop aimed at the head, but you're now responsible for it getting up in his head. And Greg's fine, which is good to see. He was at morning skate the following day. Uh, and yeah, five doesn't feel super heavy nor super light. I think you you could argue for four, you could argue for three, six, maybe I I, kind of feel like all the humming and hawing, they actually kind of got it close to right. Yeah. Again, I think it's hard to argue with, um, you knew he was getting something and if they went real light and did two, everyone would be up in arms. If they mm-hmm. went heavy and went seven, it would be a big piss off to a lot of people. There's a lot of schools of thought out there, you know, following this on Twitter. And my goodness, there is a big disparity between schools of thought on whether they should go hard or light on, on Morgan Riley. But one thing that I'm definitely noticing is when it's a stick attack infraction, they go hard on you. I mean, we're looking at some of the other ones that we'll get to that are headshots with body checks and 
I mean, I would rather probably get, you know, a bit of a, it wasn't as vicious of a cross check from Morgan Riley, because once he realized it's up in the guy's head, you can see he lets go with one hand and lets go of his stick completely and drops it. Proving my point, I believe, that he did not have the intention of getting up there in his head and he dropped it. Damage was kind of already done, but it was minimal damage. I'd rather probably eat that than get some of those head shots that, that, you know, you're going north, that guy's going south, clips your head. And I just, you know, I understand why the NHL is going harder on the sticks. They want the stick work gone. They always have going back to like the 70s, 80s. They're like, let's get the stick work out of here. And they're still on that school of thought, but they're definitely suspending heavier with the stick infractions than with they are with the, you know, body checks, elbows and and infractions, headshots wise. Yeah, I think it's the way it should be. It's the way the rule book kind of lays it out as well. Like that, that's a weapon if it's not used to be playing a puck. So appropriate. Um, it's weird. I was ready for this to take about a half an hour of our show, but it kind of feels like they got this one right. Uh, we always sort of fall prey to the, the people on the edges of the bell curves, the crazy people saying this is nothing or, you know, throw the book at them. This is a season ender suspension. It's, it's, it's clearly neither. What, is there any sort of takeaway you have here aside from just how all encompassing a Leafs storyline is when, when it happens to this team? <laughs> Yeah, well, just, I mean, the storylines that it could have been, you know, he comes in there and takes that clapper. First of all, if people don't really, like, initially, I think most most of, like, the hockey world, people that follow hockey and have been engaged in it and have played it at a certain level understand what that slap shot is and what that, what that, what that message was being sent, right? It was an F you yes. to everyone and anything to do with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I'm not even... I don't even hate it, man. I I wouldn't do it personally, but when guys act like that and act like rats and and be greasy, I I laugh. I want to go after him. If he's on my team, I put my head down and go, "Oh my god, like here here comes the shit show because people don't like that. This game is still about respect, it's still about honor, it's still about pride, and whether people can wrap their heads around that or not is kind of irrelevant to me. But if he didn't have any response to that, that would be the storyline by a million. What a mockery the Maple Leafs are. What a joke they are. They have no pride. They're a bunch of individuals, a bunch of overpaid pussies that don't want to stand up for each other. They're the furthest thing from a team. They're a laughing stock. But it's not that case. He goes after him. I love it. Now, like you said, if it were me, I would have laid the hardest cross check right across his arm so that he was feeling it two weeks later. And then I would have got my hands all up in his face and just started ragdolling him down to the ground. I would have taken four minutes for roughing. The game is over. Whoop-de-doo. You move on with your business. Everyone pats you on the back and says, hey, way to stand up to that bullshit. People don't like it when you're on the wrong side of it. And on you would go. And that would be the storyline. But again, it gets up high in the face. And that whole theme was lost on it because it becomes this attack and let's challenge Morgan Riley and his character and they should throw the book at him and this shit's got to get out of the out of the league and all that stuff that's fine but it kind of stole the potential storylines that I think would have been a lot more positive especially for people in in Leafs Nation yeah and maybe get one or two for a cross check if it's egregious or the guy's arm breaks okay now we're talking about something different but yeah I think if Morgan Riley has any take backs it's not coming after uh, Ridley Gregg, not at all. He still goes right at him. He just wants to make sure that stick doesn't finish up high or you just go in and drop the stick and say, you know what? You're getting one and I'll take two for instigating because we're now, we're now scrapping. Um, and if you're Greg, I mean, th this isn't a mistake. You're ripping it in there to make a point. As you said, it's, it's the bird. You're flipping the bird to the Leafs and you can't, 
expect nothing's going to happen. Now, these are divisional rivals. They're going to play again. Maybe this gets sorted down the road. But you've now set the tone with a divisional rival and at times over the last 30 years, one of the better rivalries in the sport where he knows with this that there's now going to be a target on him every other time these team play, these teams play. And, and I, for all of the hoopla, I'm so glad the Battle of Ontario is now back. I mean, Ottawa is clearly much better than their record and it's been an ugly year for them. They've got new ownership, a new building theoretically on the way. It's a good young core. Toronto's got everyone locked up of something Marner. They get that Tavares money coming back soon. That's a good team as well, as much as it's been a frustrating team for Leafs fans. The league has missed this rivalry, Jay. And aside from all the takes about this event, I know the next time these two teams play, I'm tuning in. For sure. It sets that up. And we were talking about it on, on Leafs Morning Take earlier about how that Battle of Alberta, or Battle of Ontario, rather, sometimes gets stagnant and it's overhyped and the media likes to talk about it. And there's not always that bad blood there, but there certainly is now because when they play, and it's unfortunately unfortunate they don't play again this year because it would be great to watch and I think everyone would tune in, but everyone's going to finish their check on that guy. Everyone's going to give him the extra shot, the little whack if the, if the ref's not looking. They're going to be in his face. They're going to grab him at every scrum. You know, I'm sure... Ryan Reeves is going to go play his role right in the guy's face and make a spectacle. Team, yeah. I, I just question that after he did that, like once Morgan Riley kind of gets and engages with him, he had like a, a look of shock on his face. And I yeah. do question if these guys understand, like I would I'd love to know what's in his mind. He goes and he knows he's going to get the rah-rah out of the crowd by doing that. But did he expect that type of response like to these he's a younger guy he got into the league last year he's an Alberta boy from Lethbridge so you think he'd play the same type of hockey coming up that you know a lot of Alberta folks do and that he would understand that but if he didn't I just question some of these young guys like what part don't you get and why didn't you pick up on these types of things coming up like like the generation say 10-15 years ahead of you did um, and me I don't know if he didn't know something was coming he sure as hell does now maybe it was a lesson learned or maybe he didn't give a rip, but I do know if Morgan Riley jumped in front of him and shed his gloves, I, I don't know. I, it seems like that never works out. It seems like the guys these days when they do ratty things like to turtle and, and embellish and fall down and act like they got shot. So it would be interesting to see what happened, but it didn't look to me like he was expecting any response after doing that. Yeah, it's true. He, he's either Oscar worthy or he really was oblivious. And And I guess when we really stripped this thing down, it's showing up a team that you just beat and it's being a sore loser. It's both those things at the same time. And one doesn't happen without the other. And I'm all for it because I think Ottawa, Toronto is going to be better moving forward. And that's a, maybe that's selfish to want to see that, but like, look, there's no way there's a boring game between the Leafs and Sens in the next two or three years. There just isn't. I don't think it's selfish. I think it's awesome. I, I, <laughs> I would love everything about it if Morgan Riley didn't take a suspension. Absolutely yeah. everything. I would be happy that Greg did it just because what a dirty little bastard, you know? Like, I like that stuff. I like the intensity. I like the FUs. I like, I, I hate the tummy sticks league where it's like, hey, you want to go for dinner after? And let, let's take a picture on the red line and warm up. Like, fuck, that annoys me. I want Darcy Tucker out there to, to take someone's head off and to play with just pure passion and intensity and when guys that play the rat role we've talked about nick cousins a lot this year i i don't agree with everything nick cousins do but i've played with him and i've played with with and against different rats and i don't hate them i don't want them banished for the league they make it exciting they make it intense they, they can change the outcome of a game and certainly the intensity level of a game i like watching it and 
if Morgan Riley just did what I kind of described and went and roughed them up to a, a high degree, I, w- I would be thrilled with it. It would be the exact same thing that you're saying with shooting up the intensity of the Battle of Ontario, minus Morgan Riley being out for five games and it being a black eye on the game, even though I don't believe it is, but it would be less controversial. For sure. And, uh, you know, your point about rats is a good one because there's a difference between a hockey game where it's like, you know, we don't have to have top hats and monocles and tuxedos and be like, there is some violence to this game. There's a lot of physical aggression. It is a contact sport. And when you add some rats in here or there, that intensity just gets cranked up to a level it can't get to otherwise. There's just when people's eyes start to go a little red and they start gritting their teeth and guys like you are like, standing up on the bench like coach now I need I need the next shift I mean it's just a different sport it's a more entertaining one so you tip your hat to the rats but the rats got to know there's a response coming and I, and I think I don't know a ton about Ridley Greg but I, I think this is a little bit of his DNA and and I don't mind a shit disturber in there that that might help the Ottawa Senators who are very very skilled but maybe they need a little more shit stirring up yeah, I don't I don't hate it, man. I mean, I love it when the rats play the ratty role and then when it's time they spring load their gloves and away they go. I, I, it bothers me when guys turtle and someone comes and they submarine them. Sometimes I've been screaming at the TV when Marshawn is doing his thing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he answers the bell, sometimes he doesn't. But, you know, uh, Matthew Tuchuk can get in there. And I mean, he's like a phenomenal hockey player too. And I always tip my cap to a guy that's full of skill, leading the team in, in points or goals or whatever. You just don't have to go play like that. It puts yourself in a position to maybe have to deal with some difficult things. But when they do it anyway, I just love that. I want those guys on my team. I I, I prefer when they answer the bell when need be. I think Matthew DeChuck has trouble with that sometimes. But it, it is a guy that like you hear it all the time. It's You want that guy on your team. And I don't think there's really a rat that has played for a team in recent, maybe the odd one here or there, that that everyone doesn't say, love that guy when I played with him. That guy's a wicked teammate. And they're usually full of personality, which is kind of in their DNA to do that kind of shit out there. But they they get a rise out of the other team. It's effective. And the guys that have that guy on their team tend to love him. So I am not a guy that's screaming to get rid of rats out of the game. I like it. I just want them dealt with accordingly when they're screwing with your team. Or just be ready to answer the bell, like you said. That's right. Uh, and yeah, like when teams don't have them, you miss them. There's like what? There's an element missing, and then it's, ah, that's there you go. And we've gone way down the road, but uh, that was the big news story of the week, and the and the that's just dropping. Uh, the suspension, five games. Morgan Riley going to be out on a thin blue line for the Leafs and uh, Ridley Gregg skating and looks like he'll be a okay. That is one of four suspension ish items that the NHL's had to deal with since our show all-star week in Toronto. Let's go back to Feb six. It's a while ago, but it is an interesting one. I want to pick your brain on it. Uh, friend of the show, Brendan Dillon, who's going to join us on the program in March catches Noel Achari in the neutral zone here. What do you see in Jay as uh, you watch this? And 11 centerman takes a big hit from Dylan, had his helmet knocked off, and Dylan draws a crowd. Jansen Harkins right there. Charlie's in trouble a little bit oh, here. He boy. got hit pretty hard. Noel Achari is trying to get his bearings here. As Brennan Dillon. We'll have to get a look at this one. The helmet came off on Achari. And we mentioned early in the first period. He'd stepped up looking for a big hit as well. 
It was a little bit of a late hit. This one was kind of a screened play. As Achari came underneath with speed and picked up the puck. He had his guy in the neutral zone beat because of that, but going forward was Dylan. And just some bodies there as Achari weaved his way up to that line. Well, Achari takes a look. You can see him look up at about the red line. He sees that he's getting stepped up on. He goes for the the chip. Winnipeg number five has a major penalty on the play that plays on the review. I wonder. Anytime a player's... And just, I don't know what's happening fast, but he just leans his face. I mean, he, he kind of comes out of nowhere there. Dylan comes, he comes in hot. And when you play at full speed, maybe when he looked up and, and took that peek at the red line, he didn't see Dylan coming from the middle. But he's leaning with his head. And I just, it's not that... It's not that it's it renders him like unhittable. If you're coming straight at, I don't know how you hit that guy if you're coming straight at him. The one thing I do see is when Dylan comes across, he just doesn't catch his body. You have to catch his trunk. You have to catch his mass on his torso, and you might get away with you know catching the head or catching part of the face. I think that's that's inevitable that you're going to catch some pieces of head and face. But if it's done properly, they tend to let it go for the most part, but when you clip a guy and you, and you miss him completely, but you're still leading with that shoulder and it wasn't an elbow or anything, he didn't leave his feet or anything, but when you clip that head, you're going to go down, man. They're, they're just, they're putting a stop to that. We've talked about it. I mean, the lawyers get involved and the, the not cracking down on concussion style of play. The NHL is not having it. They're not interested in, in writing hundred million dollar checks to these players because they didn't, they didn't, keep the game safe through their rulings and whatnot so they have established for many years now that you just can't clip that guy's head whether he's leaning with it whether it was an intentional you know legal hit they're, they're cracking down on and we got two here where you know a guy tries to hit a guy coming down defenseman and and clips him and it just catches a piece of his head and whether you like it or not that's a no-no so the onus is definitely on the hitter to get all of him or you're gonna be getting a hearing from the department of player safety it's just it's it's what it is now we got to get used to it and it's i feel bad for dylan because if you're stepping up to make a hit here in a contact sport this is a great opportunity to make a really clean hit and the moment before you arrive you're like shit this guy is just all neck and head pointing at me like there's there's it's a tough task now for him to to not deliver a dirty hit in in the eyes of, of the league at this point and that's not to say that you know, Brennan Dillon's a victim here and that he doesn't have some uh, responsibility in this. He clearly does and he gets suspended. I just think that, you know, Nolachari also should be expecting it. You say it right out of the gate. He sees, he glances up and you assume he's seeing Brennan Dillon step up. You're the puck carrier. You are now live, right? You, you, are, you are fair game to be hit. And he could not have left himself in a worse spot to receive contact. I, I know, I just can't. I mean, I played the game to the point where I am so stiff and ready for a hit that I could barely handle the puck. I mean, it's not a secret. I wasn't uh, silky smooth out there, but I really felt like I had to always be stiffened up and ready to handle anything. I was not going to get knocked on my ass. I was not going to be caught in a vulnerable position. That was just something that I refused to have. I was going to have guys bounce off of me and blah, blah, blah. And that was my MO out there. And 
when I see the position that these guys are putting themselves in and I picture being in that, like just knowing that you're getting closed on, he knows that because he chipped it. He knows it because he did a look up at the red line before he reached the blue line and just he even like goes to like absorb the hit. And I mean, he is completely kiltered over at the waist, leading with his face. I just can't picture a more vulnerable place to be. And why would you not get up against the glass and, and kind of spin to get your shoulder in there? And I mean, the onus is definitely on the hitter, but let's say it happens so fast. Why do you think you don't see these big hits very much anymore? Why do you think guys don't go and just blow guys up like they used to, like the Scott Stevens era? Because you can try and do everything right, and you just the, the, just the lanes don't match up perfectly in that nth of a second, and you clip the guy's head, and you're toast for take your pick amount of, of games they're going to throw at you, depending on the injury and your background and all those types of things. And when you get there and you realize that this isn't matching up, there's no turning back. You're on rails. And if you even try, which maybe you could argue that Dylan tried to, oh, oh, he's leading with his head, try to like not get him. And what does that do? It just takes you right off the body. And the only thing left to clip is, is, is his head. So it's just, it's not, it's not feasible to say you need to pull up at the last second. If you're in that position, play that thing on, on full speed and put yourself on ice level and it just blows that argument out of the water. It is not possible. So I feel for these guys and I feel for the game because I love the big hits and I love, you know, the physical hockey and those big D men that just punish guys and make those forwards go into a shell and don't even want the puck anymore. It is such a beautiful thing. But when you're clipping guys heads and the concussions are going through the roof and all the things that have happened in the NFL, it's just, it's just not going to happen guys. They're not going to let guys, you know, crank on each other's heads they're just simply not and you know at least the at least the the suspensions that come out of these I mean Dylan got three for that you could argue that that's more dangerous than what Morgan Riley did but it's you know then the other one's two with with the uh the Raymond on Zadorov Zadorov so they're not punishing it as hard at least it's something that I can say that's positive that the league's not really cranking you you're gonna get a suspension you're gonna lose money you're gonna miss games but at least these aren't six seven gamers for trying to go make a, a legal body check if you were a fan of the sport in the late 90s and certainly before that I just I think about how Scott Stevens played the game and how incredibly hard he crushed people and catching guys in the trolley tracks and just leaving a wake of just devastated corpses in his path. Um, in that day and age, this is a, this isn't even a minor, like this is a, well, you didn't have your head up and Scott Stevens was on the ice. That's on you, buddy. Uh, and now it's like, I feel for Brendan Dillon trying to step up and make a hit because it didn't time out perfectly. Like times have changed, Jay. It's tough. And I, I, I don't know what the answer is because it is definitely taking away from clean hits. Guys are, Guys are just choosing not to take that route just because the risk is high. I mean, the the line between a really nice, hard, heavy, clean check and a suspension is razor thin at times. Mm -hmm. And guys aren't willing to risk it. And, you know, even I'm, I see sometimes just an absolutely clean hit that has nothing to do with the guy's head. The ref's arm will go up because everyone went, whoa, we don't see that too often. That must be a penalty because it just doesn't happen too much anymore. And it bothers me. I used to be a lot hotter under the collar about it. 
Um, but it's been long enough where I've kind of reserved the idea that that this is what it is now. They're they're just not allowing. And I know that it comes down to dollars and cents. I believe Gary Bettman would love to let these guys run around like they did in the 90s. But just logistically speaking, with what we know about concussions and and how they're clamping down on that and how, you know, insurance is involved and lawsuits and the NFL went through it in a big way. They, they just have to protect themselves. Once again, it comes down to a business and it's just not good for business to allow guys to keep running up these conkeys. Yeah. Three games there for Brendan Dillon and we look forward to getting him on. I want to find out about the back end of getting involved with the Department of Player Safety. Like who calls? Yeah. Is George asking you how the weather is in Winnipeg or is it like, sit down? I want to, I want to know. Is it friendly? Is it all business? Can you chat before? Is it all regimented? Do you have a chance to speak freely? I'd be totally interested in it as well. And and why does it take so long? I'd like to know too. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Let's go to our next item. It happened Feb 7, one day after the Dylan hit. Uh, this got a fine from the league, but not a suspension. Jake McCabe, defenseman for the Leafs, has the puck, and Mason Marchment delivers the hammer. Jake McCabe is caught below the visor, but right on the bridge of the nose, and he's he's leaking over on the Leaf bench. That would annoy me. Well, now, I mean, how come there's no Oh, no? wow. He oh, got- boy, and that, the puck was nowhere near him, no. was it? Nope, and he got leveled. Wow. Bertuzzi ushered to the doorway for the Maple Leafs. And uh, we'll see if any additional penalties uh, yeah, are called J- here. J- Jake McCabe's going right to the referee. Uh, only problem is he's coming from the blind side. It's well after McCabe has moved the puck up the wall. And McCabe returns to the bench and is covered in blood, furious with the referees as it spills all over his face. He got cut by the visor on his nose. Yeah, it's I, I think that would have hurt. He's got a shiner after. I'd be surprised if his if his nose wasn't broken. But the one difference between that and say the the Dylan one is you just catch them all body. You just catch them all straight in the body and the you know the reverberating effect as his head comes in and 
and he's going to get his face cut in there. And, you know, I follow the Leafs and I'm, I'm a fan of them and they're the, the team that we cheer for in this house. But I didn't want to, I, I thought it should have been a penalty maybe on the play. We should have got a power play of it. But, you know, McCabe cycles that puck up the wall and just cranks his neck back to watch where it goes as you're curling towards the middle. That's a pretty big no-no. You know, you could argue it's late. It's 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 interference. Are we arguing it's late or are we saying it is late? Which one? Because I think that's late. I think it's late. And that, to me, this is almost more dangerous than the Dylan hit on Achari because at least Achari knows Dylan's coming. He's looking that direction. Jake McCabe doesn't have eyes on the back of his head. Now, maybe he turns the wrong way is what you're suggesting. But, I mean, God, to get absolutely drilled when – you're turning away from where the puck is and away from where you're fair game to be hit and to your blind side. I just felt that was, geez, like how are you, how do you prepare for that? I guess you don't turn that way is the only way to prepare for it. Well, you say eyes on the back of his head. He did have eyes in the back of his head because he's cranked back looking like this and yeah. you're looking behind you and the play's already gone. You're kind of at, you know, checking out how your cycle went up the wall there as you're turning to the middle. That's a pretty big no, no, because if he didn't, those guys just kind of run into each other and, it, it, it was late, so I think it's interference and, you know, a four. I, I just don't think it's suspendable worthy. I just, I don't. I think McCabe's got to not do that. And the guy came in and hit him right square onto the body. So it's not suspendable. I think it's a penalty. I think the refs missed one. I could give two shits about a $5,000 fine. That means nothing to the game, nothing to the player. It's irrelevant. It's not deterring anything. It doesn't affect anything. So I, I don't like these fines. They seem irrelevant to me. I just wish that, you know, the the refs would get it right on, on the ice. But as bad as it looked with the bloody nose and his visor hit him and stuff like that, and it it's interference and everything, I, I just don't think it's suspendable. And I think the reason is, is he gets them clean in the trunk and he didn't target his head. And it's not like the Dylan hit where he just completely clips the guy's head and oh, down he goes and he's sliding across the ice and it's just an uglier look. And I think the league sees it that way too. Okay, fine. I agree. I think if, if you're a Leafs fan, you're not like, yes, you got fined $5,000. That'll prove him. No, that's not too much. You're like, could he use the power play there? Ref leaking over here. Yeah. All the, the suspensions. I just don't like to see. I hate it when guys get suspended. It's usually, you know, unless it's something ridiculous, uh, it's usually an honest thing. A guy's playing hard, and it's uh, honestly the majority of the time I'm rattled at the guy that got hit or whacked or whatever for doing something dumb, whether it's hmm. acting like an idiot and, and gets retaliated on or if he's just put himself in a terrible position. How many times these guys turn in their backs and going head first into the boards is driving us nuts, especially at the beginning of the year. I think that's calmed down a little bit, mm -hmm. but I I. It's I hate it when guys get suspended. It's usually to me like, good lord. But again, I've I'm beating a dead horse. I understand why they have to do it sometimes, but almost every time I would wish they just let the boys play. But I guess I'm becoming a bit of a dinosaur, am I not? A big strong dinosaur, Jay. We love you. <laughs> uh Feb 10. Let's let's get to it. Another uh collision. Nikita Zadorov now of the Vancouver Canucks. On Lucas Raymond to the wings, this garnered two games as Raymond carries the puck through the neutral zone and is admiring his pass as Zadorov steps up and does indeed catch him on the head. It almost looks like a head-to-head -head collision. Did he catch Raymond? Oh, boy. Oh, he hit him in the head. 
A little oh, piece geez. of the head. Did sure he, did. Did, he, did he come through the body first is the question. Looked like he hit the, the right side of his head. Oh, geez. That's a nasty. That's a big man in Zadoros, but no one did hit it. Hit hard. And the league does examine every hit. And we'll see what the call is here. The referee, Carter Sandler. There's a major penalty under the play. It's on, upon review. Yeah, so they can. Yeah, I mean, he really missed him, right? But he he's stepping up. I mean, that's a big like Cronwall type of of hit where you just crank your edge, big C, and you're going the other way in a hurry. And when it's his trail leg like that, and he's leading with his heel, that thing's just like all your weight's on that foot. It's not much of a rudder anymore. You're just going in that direction, and there's not a lot of agility that you have when you put yourself in the position that Zadorov did to try to make that hit. And he just he just cranked on her too hard, mistimed it, and I mean he damn near missed them all together. But when you're when you barely miss someone, what do you do? You clip them. And when guys are leaning forward, skating with the puck, leading with their head, you're gonna get their head. And some pretty good theatrics there by Raymond too. I mean the the arced back sliding on the knees. Oh, does everyone see this? And then a flop to the face reminds me of like. You know, a toddler making sure everyone knows he's hurt. <laughs> but you, I, you have, I don't know if you know this. You have a special voice you do when you're when you're imitating someone where you're like, that was soft. Your voice. <laughs> oh, and now I'm talking like this, and oh, the head goes, oh, I'm really hurt. Man. Oh. It's my drama class voice because he was, he was, there he was acting there. <laughs> my soft guy voice. But uh you're gonna get it, Zadorov. I mean, same idea, right? And honestly, you made a really good point about he, he really does put himself in a spot where he can't aim very well. When you're when you're gonna put your that that skate blade down and ride into it and almost be backwards when you're by the time you're making contact, like it's it's like swinging the mast on a sailboat. Like you don't know exactly where this thing's going and how quick you're turning. Yeah, it, it's it's hard. If you stay square. I feel like he's got a really good shot at a clean hit here. I know he just, he just, I don't know him. You crank on it like that Cronwell style. You get going the other way fast. You can really surprise a guy, right? As opposed to, you know, do it the other way. That's kind of readable. And it's just, it's tough. If you take a little bit too wide of an arc, all of a sudden you're outside of the guy and you're going to clip him where you want to kind of get inside of him and bury him right on the shoulder there. And I mean, that could have been a fantastic hit. Take, spun him right off his feet. And Next time you come over our blue line, expect that kind of shit is what you're going to look down at the guy when he's laying on his back. And it would have been great. But like I said, the, the line's razor thin from a good hit to a suspendable hit. And it just sucks when they miss the guy. They just, the last thing that you can clip is his head. Unfortunately, just the way the mechanics work of skating and clips his head there too. And the league, it's just a no brainer for the league these days. They're, they're cutting that shit out as fast as they can. And you know, what's that two games for them? At least it's a reasonable amount of games and they're not throwing the book at these guys for these potentially legal hits that just don't end up as good as they could. And Lucas Raymond, not a similar theme to what we've said a lot of times this year, not ready to take a hit. And I get it. Zadorov is trying to sneak up on him a bit with that move, but uh, you're admiring your past, sir. You are. Yeah. It's like, I swear that some of these guys that are younger that have come into the league recently, I doubt any of them would, would admit it, but I feel like they just want so badly for it to be no hit. Like, don't you think so many of these guys that are just shocked, like Raymond happened to a lot, Dylan Larkin on the same team is just like, 
He just hates getting hit. He's surprised when he gets hit. He wants penalties every time they get hit. I bet you these guys would be like, can they just kibosh this hitting thing so we can play some some dipsy doodle out here? Because that's what these skill guys want to do. Some guys are so uninterested in being hit. They want the penalty all the time. They they dramatize every hit and lay on the ice and get the trainers out like I teach my U11s not to do. And some of these guys, I look at them and I'm like, God, you just you just have no 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 desire to play physical hockey at all, do you? So I do believe that's a thing. There are also times where guys get clipped and they're they're out of it. And I know you did the the drama class voice with Nick Cousins, and he missed like weeks before he came back. So I get what you're saying, but sometimes guys are dinged, right, Jay? And then maybe it looks off that they're dinged up, but but Cousins missed significant time, and uh, after that hit, I believe from Zucker on Arizona, and that was a part of the whole thing that uh, I mean, he's been Cousins been a lot of them, but uh, well, that's the thing that's ugly is or, when or was it against are- Columbus? Was Good Branson? He was on the ice selling it. I, I don't remember which one. Well, because he's a rat. We already have established that. Yes, he is. He's a rodent. <laughs> but when, when, that's the problem. When guys are acting and diving and putting the theatrics into it, they're doing what you would do if you really were hurt. So it's hard to decipher between is this guy hurt or not. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. Uh, the thing that gets me is when the overacting, it's like, good Lord, even if you were hit, you wouldn't be that dramatic about it. But uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm pretty good at just seeing when a guy is actually putting it on or when he's actually hurt. And I thought cause he was kind of doing the old hee-haw, but he did miss time. Maybe he just, well, and there was two of them. One of the, one of them, he was Oscar worthy. The other, he just didn't come back and maybe he hurt himself in the theatrics. Sometimes you're acting so hard you get hurt. I don't know, Jay. <laughs> Some of these rats are getting pretty good at this acting thing. Oh, did Kachuk, your boy was great at that too. Watching <laughs> him in Calgary. My God. What? I mean, I, wish I think his first two years in the league, he drew more penalties than anyone else in hockey. You're like, this is unbelievable. And then he couldn't get a call because the refs are like, you have burnt me so many times. I am not calling anything that looks grayer. It has got to be so black and white for me to give you guys a power play because it's you. I've been burnt. Yeah, same thing with Bunting last year on the Leafs. Yes. He was he burnt his bridges, man. He was getting the calls, and then he wouldn't. And then he got mad and started screaming at the refs. And, oh, man, if you go down that road, that's a no-no. You'll get the reputation throughout the whole league. And I, I wish more guys would get reputations for turning their back when they're getting hit, for diving, for you know embellishing. I would love the arm to go up, and everyone's like, oh, come on, you're calling that. And he goes, boom, on sportsmanlike to you for the yeah. dive, like get in the true. box. Cut that shit out. And guys, instead of getting a pat on the back all the time for being a diver because you drew a penalty, the other guy will get a pat on the back for playing hard and letting that pussy parade to the box for playing, you know, chicken shit hockey and diving all over and doing the drama queen thing. Okay, I've got uh, the fight of the week coming up as well as a, uh, you you don't like when people do slap shots into an empty net. I've got something where uh, there's a breakaway on the empty net. How do you prevent a slap shot? We'll have that for you later. But first, the runner-up for fight of the week. And the only reason I bring this up, it's a fight in the American League. It's Alex Gallant again. Now, this guy we've talked about three or four times over the course of the season. He's not huge. He's an absolutely fearless fighter. And he's probably turned in three of the best five or six fights we've seen all year at any level of hockey. This time, it's Travis Howe. It is the San Diego Gulls. It is the Calgary Wranglers from Calgary. You can see the Flaming Sea logo, the NHL rink. And Gallant had a big tilt in november against one of the goals they're getting warmed up and ready to go here <laughs> they sure are taking their sweet time i always had to like amp myself up and get after it sometimes these guys are so calm but a big old square off gallant is you know he's he's given up size and he's not scared it starts off getting you know he's a big boy there this how and 
he's not worried because he knows he's got the reach. But watch this switch to left hands with Gallant. It is risky, but, you know, he realizes Howe's got the better grab and he can't even reach him anymore. Watch this. Poised, 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 and... Oh, he got knocked down there, pops back up, tough as nails, and then just switched to lefts and starts going. And look at when you're switching lefts, man, boom, he eats one right here. And I don't care who you are or how tough you are, you open up yourself to that. It's just, it's it's free time, boys. Like, go at it. There's nothing stopping you from punching that guy right in his face. And it's risky, man. You're going to, you can eat one. And, and he did there, but as tough as that guy is, he just doesn't seem to care, man. He just chucks and chucks and chucks. So does someone have one free swing? Is it a split second? Or is it like when you say you're switching, you're leaving yourself open? How, how big is that window if you're, if you're fighting a guy and he switches hands on you? Well, you got to feel, you can feel like a guy's, you know, when a guy's cocked back, you can feel it. And then you can feel the momentum come towards you as he's throwing. And I would always try to time that. To, I just tuck it like this. I used to eat so many in the ear. It was starting to cauliflower on me for crying out loud. I didn't love that. But you, you'd you feel it coming and you'd tuck it so you can't get buttoned in the chin. I, I ate them all over here. My head wall cut up. I got stitches in my head all the time. But I, I, you don't mind that, right? And then as soon as he lands that, you know he's cocking back and he's open. And away you come right there when, and you try to time that where you can just hammer him when he's open and you know, you're going to be free to do so because you're not holding on to each other's throwing hand. You've switched. And the only disadvantage for a guy that isn't left-handed is it's not your strong hand. So I think we've talked about that. I got to go against Brian McGratton and it's like, can you use your weekend, sir? Like you have 25 pounds and, and two, three inches on me, but uh, it doesn't work like that. But ball, you know, hats off to Glant, the way that guy scraps and he kind of ate one at the end there, got hit, fell down that how obviously knows what he's doing. He's throwing accurately, hit him twice real good. But uh, I don't know. I check out that guy's, you know, stats glance and, and he doesn't have a whole lot of points to go with it. I don't know what kind of ice time he's getting. Obviously well-liked by his peers and respected. He's wearing the A on his sweater in the American League and shows up. I'm sure he's got nothing but respect, but would sure like to see that guy up in the National League. It's just the wrong time for a guy like that. Yeah, and you know what? I Just knowing the organization a bit, you know, we, we do a show five days a week on the Flames. It's a lot of young wingers and players right now. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a chance for him somewhere. He reminds me of Ryan Lomberg a little bit who'd never really got a shot in Calgary, but has been a regular in Florida. I don't know if, if the, if the game is, is the same, but just to be fearless at that size really is quite something. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he does get a sniff somewhere at some point. I just don't know that it's going to be between now and the end of the season in Calgary. Yeah. And it shows what happens when you're, you're kind of pigeonholed in an organization where, you know, you're kind of at the mercy of, of their pipeline and their depth chart. And, you know, it happens all the time, especially in the American league, you, you watch the transaction list and you see guys getting called up and getting their chance in the NHL that you've played against for years, whether it be junior or the American league or college or whatever. And you're like, I, that guy is not NHL caliber. Like we got guys on our team that are, but you know, like you say, the flames are a little bit deep on wing and whatnot. It, it, it's just, it's a lot of it is luck and opportunity, but you know, you play long enough, you play hard enough, someone will give you your shot and you just got to make the most of it. And I hope that Glant kid gets one. Cause like we've talked about before, these GMs say, we can't find a guy that plays with friggin' jam anymore. Like they are yeah. unicorns and there's a guy waiting right there. I just, I haven't been able to watch him play hockey. I, I, I assuming if he's working on his skating and working on his speed and he can keep, keep up in the league, someone will give him a shot somewhere. And I'd love to see that. 
Just another tip of the cap to Gallant. It's been a hell of a year for him on this show. I'll tell you that. He's got the belt to me through both leagues, if you ask me. It's just unfortunate he's not in the big one. Let's go to the big one for our fight of the week. It is Marcus Felino, Jared Tenorti. And Tenorti's got the reach advantage here. Six foot six, 230 pounds, Jared Tenorti. That's a big boy belt. They're not done yet. Oh, trying the uppercut right there. Felino waving off the linesman. He wants to keep going. Teams tapping their sticks on the bench, appreciating the marathon bout between oh Tenorti and Felino. As uh, Hawks and Wild, this was, a, I believe, a low-scoring game, but uh, high entertainment value in this scrap. Yeah, you can see Felino's wrapping the net, and he sees Tenorti coming, and he kind of bails to make sure he doesn't get crushed. He did not appreciate that. Lots of times a guy just about gets buried, turns around, and spring loads his shit, and away these guys go. Another big square off, big boy with Tenorti. Felino yeah. throwing the, the big right hand in his... What's his... Uh, other Felino's watching this, I believe, eh? Oof. Well, you're right, because Nick plays on Chicago. Yeah, he was there. They, they had, I think this was on this was on the U.S. broadcast. They were chatting pregame at center ice. Exactly. Here's a fight where the guys, they, 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 the grab they both get is dead center on that NHL logo. It, it would preferably be a little bit over towards the shoulder pad so you can actually stiffen it out and the guy can't reach you. But uh, the gra- sometimes the grabs you have, you can't risk re-gripping or you'll be completely mm-hmm. loose and then you're in big trouble. But they both got the, the very center grab, allowing them to throw a lot of punches. And, you know, they both have a grab, unfortunately. So I don't know how much landed, but they both were free. And something caught uh, Tenorti there. He's leaking all down the side of his net. And, and there's Big Bro checking it out. He must love it. So interesting to see, man. Fight of the week. It's good to see that stuff happening. And two big boys squaring off who knew what they were doing. And it was an entertaining one. Yeah, and so when you're saying that grip, you would rather have rather than right down the middle, closer to like a throwing arm, right? That yeah. that's the shoulder you want to constrain. Yeah, and the fights that we talk about that don't go anywhere, that are kind of snooze fests, they both instead of going square, they both go side with their arm and and they reach across to the other ones, and then both of them have the shoulder, and no one's going anywhere, right? You can't reach if you get a really good grab on a guy's shoulder and you twist it it's 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 just about impossible unless he loses that grip to to get a punch that'll get all the way to the guy's face because it's just such a good grab and these guys are so strong and they understand the technique they twist and lock their elbow out and it's like it's like there's a fence post against your chest and you're trying to punch around it it's not happening and you know it's i hate it when two guys go in they and no one's punching and they both just lock up with their grabs and then start trying to fight i'm like well how did you think this was going to go it's going to be a snooze fest so that grab is important and it usually goes sideways when one guy's good got a good grab and the other one doesn't it's it's a pretty big advantage which is why that square up sometimes takes a little while they they want to make sure they get the good grab it's good stuff there and you're and it's interesting because you, defensively you want the grab if you're a fan of the fight screw the grab let's let's see guys swing it right yeah yeah it, it it's funny it's such a unique style because no other fight like you could talk about jujitsu or mma or boxing or whatever there's no grab you're just your two hands and you're blocking and mm. in the hockey fight it's for whatever reason it it just turned into this you're grabbing with one you're throwing with the other and um you know you're feet aren't planted so it's not a lot of footwork you're gliding around and working your edges it's just a super unique thing that uh you know once you do it long enough uh you get to figure out what your style is and what technique works best for you and it's just a little crazy that it's usually just trial and error that 
that has you figure that out. You, it's the first time you drop your gloves. You don't have a clue what you're doing and you figure out what went wrong, what went right and try it again next time. Or you got a veteran Jay Rosell on your team that says, Hey kid, next time you're in there, get a hand on that throwing arm. I just say, switch to lefts and go fucking bananas. And they're like, I can't throw lefts. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. People would think I was left-handed. I just, I'm not, I can't write or throw. Can't throw with my left hand. Gazdick, when we had him on, thought you were left-handed. That's, that's yeah, how praise. I usually have to tell guys I'm not. There's, there's been a time, I remember in the American League, I was squaring off with this guy who maybe was in over his head and, and the bench was just screaming, he's a lefty, he's a lefty. So he looks at my left hand and just dove two hands on my left hand and I just cranked the shit on with my right and then looked at the bench and was like, tough one, boys. <laughs> but sucks when you get a piece of a guy who doesn't know what he's doing. Ambidextrous, I believe that's called. Amphibious is where you can breathe underwater. You're not that, but both hands, right? Yeah, ambidextrous. I'm not ambidextrous. I just, I don't know, punching somehow seemed to work out all right. They were muffins, though, in fairness. I don't know what they were, Jay. You've been a little hard on yourself. Um, okay, so for Leafs fans and Sens fans, uh, finally we can start to let things die down. They won't play again until next year, Jay. I don't think it's going to be a playoff matchup. Sorry, Sens fans. Um, mm. And here's here's there's there's one way to, one thing not to do we learn, which is don't be shooting slap shots in the empty net. And also, if you are going to come at a guy, try not to get that stick up in their face. So let's go to the USHL where there was a breakaway on an empty net. And we have some more learning to do here on, on empty nets. Who is this guy? This is the Sioux City Musketeers against the Omaha Lancers. Trip, slash, 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 and a whack. <laughs> what he are wasn't you... going to let that slap shot into the empty net. Jay, you can't have that happening. Trip, whack, two-hander. Whack, two-hander. He's what? not even moving his feet. He's just kind of like shimmying along, just chopping wood at this guy yes. after a huge two-hand dumper to get him on his knees. <laughs> but when you get the audio on it, the 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 announcers are just saying whatever the guy is. He's not out of like, this league. Yeah, get him out of here. This is all this guy. So it sounds like he's got a reputation. And, you know, you go down to those junior leagues, man, and especially when, you know, back a couple years ago, 20 years ago, Holy smokes. There was this one guy in junior A, this Canfield, his name was. He got suspended for, I don't know how long, for punching a 15-year-old, like blowing his cage off his face with one punch and then just about killing him with a second. So he's in 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 the stands watching in his suit while he's suspended. A line brawl breaks out. He jumps the glass and participates in the fight in his dress shoes in his suit. And like that's the kind of shit that you see in those in those junior days, and apparently some of it's still alive with that bloody lumberjack show there. There it is, empty net protocol. We covered a lot of it today, Jay. Thanks for this. Appreciate it. We'll uh, we'll chat in a week, and I believe uh, you may or may not have a my tire pina colada in your hand. Is that correct? Oh, I know I'm gonna go find a nice little uh, backdrop with a palm tree, and I'll have myself a marg in my hand. We'll see what we can do, but uh, I'll be tracking down some good internet because I don't want to miss one of these. Love it, buddy. Thanks for doing this. It's the Department of Discipline, a Hockey Fights podcast. Chat next week, Jay. You betcha. My boy's a hockey player. My boy, he's pretty tough. I'm awfully proud of my boy. He ain't afraid to mix it up. Should have seen him whoop that Nichols kid. Gave that boy a bloody nose shoot. By the time he's 10 years old, my boy be ready for the pros. Want to see a hockey fight? Little Donnie Brook, a little brew, ha ha. The bar team should score tonight. We all can yell, hurrah.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky, soft, and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60.